Why should you remain being a Christian? Why should you keep believing in Jesus Christ? What is it that you find most compelling about the claims of Christianity? What do you consider the absolute foundation of your faith? What is that Jenga block? If you pulled it out, the whole structure of your faith would come crashing down. If you're exploring Christianity, if you're not sure where you are spiritually, you might be interested to know, what is at the heart of Christian faith and hope? Why is it that Christianity began in the first place and continues to this day, some 2,000 years later, as a global movement? I thought about this question for myself. What do I find most compelling about Christianity? Why is it that I keep on believing? I don't think it's just because I'm a priest and I have to and there's nothing else I could do with my life. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. It's certainly not the case that I have all my faith questions answered. But for me, when I think about this question again and again, it comes down to this belief. Christ is risen. A belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why did Christianity even begin? What accounts for the momentous rise of Christianity in the Greco-Roman world? Because after all, there were lots of failed messiahs who ended up crucified, who had lots of people following them, and those movements fizzled out. We know this from literature outside the Bible. Why is it that Christianity in particular, with their messiah who was crucified, why did it begin to grow? In the earliest Christian preaching, like we read from our lesson from Acts, we begin to see this firm belief in the resurrection. The apostles were proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is this belief that gives rise to Christianity. It's this belief that's that essential Jenga piece, which if removed, St. Paul says our faith is in vain and we should stop wasting our time and move on with something else. But if it's true, if it is true that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, this changes everything. And that's what I want us to see this afternoon. And here's my main point. The resurrection requires a new paradigm. The resurrection requires a new paradigm. So what's a paradigm? A paradigm is a commonly accepted framework through which we interpret the world around us. There's a historian of science named Thomas Kuhn who wrote a very influential book last century called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And he's the guy who coined the phrase, maybe you've heard it before, paradigm shift. So science works within an established paradigm, a set lens for interpreting data, until new evidence begins to accumulate over time that doesn't fit that paradigm. So famously, you probably know the story of Copernicus. He started gathering evidence that the earth is not stationary. The earth is not the center of the universe. This challenged the reigning scientific paradigm of that day. His data did not fit the paradigm of what was then settled science. But science is settled until it isn't. Revolutions do happen that reset the table completely and create a new paradigm, a new paradigm for interpreting the data, for seeing the world. What's happening on Easter is a massive paradigm shift, one that changes the world. 
But just like the reigning paradigms of science and culture and politics fervently resist evidence and realities that challenge their established power, so the new paradigm of Easter is not immediately accepted. It wasn't immediately accepted then, and it's not immediately accepted now. But the resurrection itself requires a completely new paradigm. And we begin to see this in the gospel lesson that we just read from Luke 24. So Luke tells us about this group of women. Going all the way back to chapter 8, he identifies these women who are following Jesus. And these women are actually, he tells us, out of their own resources, providing for Jesus and the disciples. And these women, they stick with Jesus actually when the other disciples fled. So they're there at Jesus' crucifixion. Luke identifies them. They're there at his burial. They see where he is buried. And then they're the first here at the resurrection. So they come to the tomb. And what they don't find is surprising, Luke says. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Their response is understandable. They were at a loss, Luke says. They didn't know how to interpret this. The empty tomb itself doesn't tell us everything. It's a simple fact at this point. But all facts need interpretation. And that's what they get. Verse 4, two men in dazzling apparel appear, and they were frightened. They bowed their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. A couple things to note here. These are angels. Angels appear at the beginning of Luke's gospel to the shepherds. If you remember the story, they appear to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus. Not the fact that a baby was born, but this was indeed the Savior Christ our Lord. The birth of Jesus happened, but that fact needed, that reality needed some interpretation. So the angels are there to bring an interpretation to it. Here is what's actually happening. And so here they are at the empty tomb, and they begin to interpret what's happening. He is not here. He has risen. The women are among the dead here at the tombs, but Jesus Christ, they tell these men, angelic figures tell them, is living, not dead. He has risen. The angels remind the women that Jesus said this would happen. Remember, they say, how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, crucified, and on the third day, rise. He is risen. This means that Jesus Christ in his body was made alive again after really being dead, he got up and he left. He walked out of the tomb. I was reading Eleanor, um, our daughter, a children's book about Easter a few nights ago. And it was one I had not you know, fully vetted. I was vetting it as I was going along. And it said that Jesus was resurrected to heaven. That sounds nice, but that's not what Scripture says. Jesus is, is eventually ascends to heaven, yes, but that's not what's going on at the resurrection. The resurrection is about Jesus Christ bodily coming back from the dead and, yes, walking out of that tomb. Now, this is, of course, astonishing news. It's news that changes everything. It's news that requires a new paradigm because it's the sort of news that didn't fit existing paradigms in and it doesn't fit existing paradigms now. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is a remarkable claim. It's utterly unique. It was unique then in the ancient world. The New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says Christianity was born into a world where its central claim, the resurrection, was just known to be false. But this indeed is the central claim. And in Luke, you see the surprise of the women at this announcement. But they go and they tell the disciples, 
how did the disciples respond? These are, these are those who were following Jesus most closely. They say, these words seem to them to be an idle tale, foolishness. Because the disciples, they knew people don't come back from the dead. This sort of thing just doesn't happen. Of course, there was a Jewish hope of a future resurrection at some point. But the idea that in the middle of history, one would rise bodily from the dead was just crazy. Just yesterday in the New York Times, Nicholas Kristof, a columnist, uh, was interviewing a president of a seminary and asked her why she doesn't believe in the resurrection. And it was very telling, this exchange. He says, ask a very good question, isn't a Christianity without a physical resurrection less powerful and awesome? When the message is about love, that's less religion and more philosophy. To which she responds, for me, the message of Easter is that love is stronger than life or death. That's a much more awesome claim than they put Jesus in the tomb and three days later he wasn't there. For Christians, for whom the physical resurrection becomes a sort of obsession, that seems to me to be a pretty wobbly faith. What if tomorrow someone found the body of Jesus still in the tomb? Would that mean that Christianity was a lie? No. Faith is stronger than that. Um, the real actual resurrection of Jesus is precisely what is at the heart of Christian faith. And yes, if it didn't happen, if they were to find his body tomorrow, it would all be proven to be a complete sham. This is what the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. And not only that, he says your faith is in vain. If this isn't true, there's much better things we can be doing at 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I can think of quite a few myself. But it is true. And this is what we should be doing at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, celebrating the fact that everything has changed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A resurrection reduced to some airy-fairy moralistic tale about love, I'm sorry, is much less powerful and much less awesome than someone who defeated death, sin, and all evil through being bodily raised from the dead. Um, this professor and some of us might be embarrassed by such a claim, but it's this claim that the apostles and countless other Christians were willing, and to this day are willing to give their lives for People have been laughing at the resurrection from the first century until now. It doesn't fit the paradigm. But the resurrection calls for a new paradigm. And the empty tomb here in Luke 24, this is ground zero for this announcement that, yes, Christ is risen. So what does it mean? What does it mean to accept and believe and to live in this new paradigm? The women, they're challenged to recall the words of Jesus, that Jesus predicted that this would happen, to go back to Christ's prophecies about what would happen to him, that the resurrection would be central to their faith, to his, his, his work as Messiah. The disciples are challenged to believe the testimony of the women. They have a hard time accepting it. They say, this is foolish, it's idle tales. Peter, he stands out from them all, he goes and he begins to investigate. He runs and he looks in the tomb. We're not told at this point if he believes, but we can tell that he's willing for the prevailing paradigm that people don't come back from the dead. He's willing for that to be challenged. The women, the disciples, and Peter, they need a drastic paradigm shift, a whole new way of seeing the world and understanding reality because there are new, strong pieces of evidence, an empty tomb, a resurrected Lord whom they will meet. The resurrection requires a new paradigm for us also. 
But what all is involved in this new paradigm? Luke's resurrection account, I think, gives us some hints about this shift. Luke wants us to know, and this is a detail that we could easily just sort of pass over, but Luke wants us to know that the women rested on the Sabbath day, and on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb. In the original creation week, God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh day, Saturday. This pattern, by the way, was the, parad- the old paradigm for Israel. Work Sunday through Friday and rest on Saturday. The weekly Sabbath was a reminder of the creator God who rested from creation. The Sabbath was about God's good creation. And right before chapter 24, 23, chapter 23, verse 56 On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment, these women, but on the first day of the week. These women come to the tomb as faithful Jews. They are operating at this point under the old paradigm of the old covenant. They think Jesus is dead. This is the attitude of the old paradigm. But they come to the tomb on a new day, the first day of the week. The announcement of resurrection is the announcement of a new day. It's the announcement of a new creation that has begun. A new week is beginning. The Lord is bringing about now a new creation here on the first day of the week. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the signal that this is happening. There's a new era. Everything has changed. The resurrection requires a new paradigm and a new way of telling time. Of course, Sunday. Sunday is the day of resurrection. The day of God's new creation. The early church also called Sunday God's eighth day. Augustine says that day, which is both Eighth and the first represents eternity. Augustine also says that humanity fell into sin on the first Sabbath, plunging the old creation into sin. But now there is a new day, the first day, the day in which redemption and recreation has begun. This is what's happening on this Sunday. At this new creation, we also see the new Adam, the second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ, who leaves this garden, the garden tomb, and he goes out into the world to take dominion over his new creation and to include his people in that as well. It's this new creation that we are invited into, a new paradigm, a new creation. The Gospels show us that the resurrection, among other things, it means new creation. And this is the foundation for Christian hope. So how will you respond? How will you respond to this announcement? Luke here, he's shown us three possible responses the women, the apostles, and Peter, all of them had to rework what they previously thought possible. They had to be willing to let the reigning paradigm be challenged and the reigning paradigm be wrong. The women come to the tomb with devotion to Jesus. They weren't expecting an empty tomb, no, or an announcement that Christ has risen. But their perspective began to change when they recalled the words of Jesus. Jesus said this would happen. There's a challenge. There's a challenge here for us, too. Will we believe the testimony? The testimony of these women, yes, but the testimony of Jesus himself who said this would happen. The disciples, you know, we all, we all know about doubting Thomas, but the reality is all the disciples at first were doubting. They initially did not believe. They thought the women were out of their minds. They were completely skeptical about this because they knew that people did not come back from the dead. At first, they wouldn't allow the evidence, the testimony of these women, the testimony of the tomb, to change their paradigm of belief. But of course, this starts to change, and this brings us to Peter. I love Peter's response here. Imagine the women come back, they report this news with excitement to the disciples, hoping they'll they'll get a fair hearing. 
Imagine the apostles all kind of chuckling in disbelief. You know, these crazy women, some, you know, whatever's going on with them. All of them except Peter. You can imagine kind of if this were a movie, the camera kind of zooms in on Peter. He's not joining in on the laughter of the other apostles. He's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe there's something to this. And what does he do? He goes and he starts to check things out by himself. Verse 12, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That other apostles respond to the empty tomb with skepticism, but Peter here responds with a sense of wonder. Could it truly be that Christ has indeed risen from the dead? And wonder is an appropriate response on Easter Day. Wonder at this announcement of Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection requires a new paradigm, a new paradigm, a new way of seeing the world that sees God's new creation breaking in through the resurrection of Jesus. This is the foundation. This is the foundation for Christian hope. Jesus is not among the dead because he has defeated death by his resurrection. He defeats death for us that we too, after we die, might be raised to new life to reign with him in the new creation. The evidence that begins with the empty tomb, confirmed by the testimony of the women, the apostles, and the eyewitnesses to the risen Lord Jesus Christ, starts to chip away at the old paradigm, calling for a new one. A paradigm that sees Jesus Christ and his resurrection at the center of reality, the foundation of all hope. So why is it that you believe Christianity? What do you find most compelling about the claims of Christ? C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Lewis sees the truth of Christianity, including the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's the paradigm, the lens by which he's able to see everything else. So may God help us to see the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that by it we may see all else. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.